do you learn to trust again as an adult child of divorce? Today we're going to be starting a look at this important topic on Heart in a Drawer, the podcast made just for you. Welcome back to Heart in a Drawer, the podcast that I craft just for you. I am Sarah Geringer, your host. I am an adult child of divorce, and now I have experienced a divorce myself. I have three teens who are now children of divorce, so I have an even more rounded view of this subject than I did when I started this podcast back in September 2020. And I don't believe that I have really covered the subject of trust before. And it seems like God is using many things, putting many things before me to bring this topic to light. And of course, it is pretty foundational for our healing process. And so I just wanted to share some of my thoughts with you this week. So of course, in our experience, When the divorce happened, I think it's inherent to that problem that a broken sense of trust develops. You might not trust your parents. You might not trust men. You might not trust women because in your mind, you group all of them together. Whoever hurt you the most, you say, I can never trust men again, or I can never trust women again. Or you might even say you can't trust God again because he allowed it to happen to you. He didn't stop it. Maybe he didn't cause it, but he didn't stop it from happening. So trust can be broken on so many levels. I know that I struggled greatly with this in the past, especially my teenage years, uh, which was about 10 years after my parents divorced. And as much as I wanted to date and have good relationships with boys, it was very, very difficult for me because I really was very distrustful of males and that lasted a long time. In my own divorce recovery, I'm having to uh, revisit that whole issue again and it is painful and uncomfortable And I feel like sometimes I'm on high alert in situations that don't warrant it. Sometimes just an act of kindness could come across to me as someone trying to take advantage of me. So I understand this from my own experience as a child, a teenager, a young adult, and now again as an adult. So a lot of times when God wants me to deal with an issue... He puts things in front of me that I'm not even really looking for. And he tells me, okay, this is what I want you to focus on. And when he does this in multiple avenues, then I really know that's how the Holy Spirit is trying to get my attention on something. So this year, I am going through the book Restoration Year by John Eldridge. It's a devotional based on his book, All Things New, which was 
my favorite book out of 100 books the year that that came out. So I was really excited to get this devotional. But this is the first year that I've taken time to actually read it one day at a time. And so I'm just going to read from one of these recent devotions where he was talking about trust and it really just hit me hard and I knew that God wanted me not just to process it myself but to share it with you on this podcast because I think all of us adult children of divorce need to heal in this area. So I'm just going to read the whole devotion from March 19th. It's called Profound Trust. It's based on 1 Peter 2.23. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. The reason you fear to step out is because you know that it might not go well. Is that an understatement? You have a history of wounds screaming at you to play it safe. You feel so deeply that if it doesn't go well, if you're not received well, others' reactions become the verdict on your life, on your heart. You fear that your deepest doubts will be confirmed again, that you will hear the message of your wounds, the piercing negative answers to your question. That is why you can only risk stepping out when you are resting in the love of God, when you believe his verdict on your life, that you are chosen and dearly loved. Then you are free to offer. People did not respond very well to Jesus' love, to his stepping out in faith and playing the role that was his alone to play. And that would be a ridiculous understatement. The very people Jesus died for hurled insults at him, mocked him, spat at him, then crucified him. Jesus had to trust his father profoundly with his very being. Peter uses him as our example, saying he entrusted himself to God. Jesus lived a life of love, and he invites you to do the same, regardless of the response. And then there's a short prayer. Oh, Jesus, show me where I am self-protecting. Show me where I need to step out in courage, regardless of how it goes. Now, the part that stood out to me from this devotion was when he said, that is why you can only risk stepping out when you are resting in the love of God. So the last episode I made was talking about the love offering, which is developing a conversation with God on a regular basis about how much you love him. And then you enter into a deeper relationship with him. And I think that is the only true way that we can start to trust other people is we have to work really diligently on our trust relationship with God. I know that has been true in my story. It's something I'm really focusing on now, this year, really for the first time in over 40 years of being a Christian, is laser focusing on developing my love relationship with God and laying a foundation of trust that way first before I try to rebuild trust in other people. So another resource that God is using to help me build trust in him before I start trying to trust people again 
is the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality class that I'm taking at my church right now. In other podcast episodes, I've referred to that book. The main book was so transformational for me when I read it several years ago, and it's really good to go through it as a group study at my church. So this material that I'm mentioning is from the workbook that we use in that class. It's not really a standalone item. It's meant to be used in the group with the video sessions, but it's really, really helpful. So last week, our session was called Going Back to Go Forward. One of the key teachings that Pete Scazzaro says is we've got to go back and understand our family history to understand why we act and think the way that we do now. And so this was the chapter that we're working on. I will also reference another episode I did on the genogram, which really goes into detail about this. So the exercise we had to do, it was rough, I'm telling you. Um, We had to go back and look at the messages that we heard as a child and then how we carried those messages into kind of themes that we focus on in our life right now. And I am not going to tell you um, anything super specific, but like one of them that I wrote down as a cumulative message from based on what I heard as a kid, I interpreted as you prove your worth through work, performance, and service. So you are worthy if you're working hard and probably the worst thing you could be is a lazy person. And that really stuck with me. And I think there are, there are good aspects to that. But when you feel like your worth is only because of how you perform, that is when it turns destructive. And probably some of you listening can relate to that. So then we processed that in my group. And then we talked about these messages that are shared it says how do those messages compare with the messages below that reflect who you are in the new family of jesus and i'm just going to read those to you and i encourage you to check out this material so you can benefit from the entire teaching so these are the messages that jesus wants to speak over us it is good that you exist you are lovable You are good enough. You are a joy. You have nothing left to prove. Your needs are a delight. You are allowed to make mistakes. I don't know about you, but I could probably make a podcast episode about every single one of those, how I believed the opposite of those message for a long, long time, and I in some ways, I'm just now starting to heal and and recover from that. The one I really focused on the most was your needs are a delight. So I've done a couple episodes about attachment theory. I've done an episode dedicated to my problem with the anxious, preoccupied attachment style. And when you deal with that, you feel like your needs are really swallowed up by the other people in your family and your needs don't even matter. So I'm having to really dig deep and do some reprogramming. 
And one of the things that we talked about in my group on this list is one of the younger ladies in my group said that she feels like this list is like medicine compared to those messages that we talked about on the page before, the destructive messages that, quite frankly, broke our trust, right? That after the divorce especially, we're going to hear things that are opposite, such as, you are unlovable, you're not good enough, you are not a joy, you do have to prove your worth, your needs mean nothing to me, you are not allowed to make mistakes, and maybe it's not even good that you exist, right? Which are horrible things. But I can admit that I've probably believed one or more forms of that ever since I was a child. And I think that's just part of the incredible damage that divorce does to our self-esteem. And so we were talking about these messages based on scripture, these affirmations that we can say over ourselves that are like medicine. And I said, after thinking about that for a few minutes, I said, you know, here's the thing about medicine. It's only good if you take it. If it sits in your cabinet and it just sits there and you don't take it on a regular basis, it's not even going to do anything for you. And so you have to take this medicine so that it becomes part of you and it starts changing you on the inside. And I thought about that in terms of God's word. You know, I've written two books about meditating on God's word. And I remember how um, I had to meditate thousands of times on Romans 8 verse 1. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus to overcome my, my self-hatred and the messages that I was telling myself and the messages of false guilt that I talk about in uh, my book, Transforming Your Thought Life, I talk about the guilt ghosts and how I had to fight back against those with the truth of God's word. And so I think that's why God's word is so powerful. And then really, I look at these medicine messages that I've shared with you today as just kind of putting God's word into your own words into a way that you can affirm yourself, your value as a child of God, with the truth, and it's heard in your own words that you can say back to yourself. And something that I learned yesterday, uh, one of my jobs is to edit articles and write articles for Christian therapists. And one of these articles I edited yesterday was talking about a study in the UK that had said, it said that if you actually use the third person when you talk back to yourself, it turns off your inner critic. So if you say, Sarah's needs are a delight rather than my needs are a delight, then that can actually be even more healing for you. So that's really something I haven't tried before. And I thought that I would share that with you just in case that might help these ideas sink in. Almost that you're looking at yourself with that gestalt technique I've talked about before in other episodes, and you're actually saying, you know, maybe even to a former age that you were, a, a child version of yourself or a teenage version of yourself, and you're saying, Sarah is lovable. Sarah is a delight, right? 
And maybe that's even more powerful than I am a delight or any of those things. Worth trying anyway, I think. And of course, um, what I'm trying to do in my own prayers is take that to the Lord and ask him to show me where I need to trust him more, where I need to think of things through the lens of the way Jesus looks at me, um, where I need more healing, and where I need to grow in trust in the Lord so I can start trusting others again. And I think that's a prayer that God is going to keep answering because he wants me to be healed and whole again, and I know he wants the same for you. So, like I said, we're going to be focusing on the topic of trust in the next few episodes. Dr. Henry Cloud has a new book coming out on trust, and I cannot wait to get started reading that. My friend Kia Stevens has written a new book called Overcoming Father Wounds. I'm going to be doing an episode on that, and I can't wait to share those things with you as I process that information and then pull out what I feel is the most pertinent to us in our healing journeys as adult children of divorce. So I would like to close with a prayer over you today. Father, I thank you that we can trust you as we get to know you better and know your character that's never changing. We know that you're going to help us trust you more. And Lord, I pray that you would help us identify those messages that we received uh, from our parents either before or during or after the divorce that are lies that we've been believing that have held us down and kept us from trusting you and other people. I pray you would heal us at that deep level, that you would help us to find the resources that we need, including professional help, to get to that place, Lord. I pray that you would bring verses of your word to life for us as we study your word that can help us to trust you more. And I thank you that you are helping us in this area already in ways that we can't even see. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening this week. I want to remind you that my show is never intended to be a substitute for professional therapy, but a supplement to it. You can find the link to a free consultation in the show notes. I share it every single time. You can also reach out to me with your prayer requests because it's always my honor to pray for you. And until next time, I'm praying God's peace on you as you heal.